0: Did you know that healing is always the will of God? Yes, that's the great news. We have been in this series on healing is the will of God for eight sermons now. And we're going, we looked at 12 reasons on why we believe that healing is the will of God for everybody. And so tonight we're going to look at reason number 13 on that list. And um, does anybody remember kind of what we've been using as our jumping off, place into the subject? Luke 5. All right, let's go there. Wanted to make sure that you're, you're paying attention. So Some of you are. In Luke 5, in verse 12, is where we begin reading, and we see um, the scene here is Jesus is in a crowd, and while he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had a serious skin disease all over him. Or some translations say he was covered in leprosy. He saw Jesus, fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately, everyone say immediately, Immediately. the disease left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the word about him spread even more and large crowds would come together to hear him. Everyone say to hear. hear. And to be healed of their sicknesses. Isn't that interesting that the reputation of Jesus the Messiah as he was in the earth was such that people would... He had the reputation that when you ask the question, can I be healed? The answer is yes. Yes. And so crowds would come out. And and this word goes out and He becomes extremely famous through the whole region because of this uh, happening again and again and again. You know, if word would have went out that Jesus is telling people, no, He's not going to heal you, No, God's trying to teach you something. No, the Lord's just working in mysterious ways in your life. You know, if that word would have went out, people might have shown up to hear what he was going to have to say, but they wouldn't have come to be healed. But here it says they came to be healed knowing that he has my answer. He has my answer. And his answer was, yes, I am willing. And so we see that over and over again. So those 12 reasons that we covered, I'll just list them very quickly. Number one is God's Word is medicine. Number two, a strong spirit will sustain you. Number three, because of God's original creation, He created it without sickness. Number four, because of God's will in heaven and the creation to come. Number five, we believe it's God's will that healing is for everyone is because of the origin of sickness, where it came from. Number six, we see that sickness is a work of the devil. Reason number seven was because of the eternal name of God, Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord that heals you. And all of his redemptive names that he has, none of it, he hasn't changed from any of those names. So that name is just like all the others. It still remains the Lord that heals you. Reason number eight was because of God's covenant of healing that he had established in the earth covenant of healing we saw that god is faithful to his covenant reason number 9 we saw sickness is a part of the curse of the law it's part of its sickness is a curse it's not a blessing a lot of people have been lied to and said that oh that sickness is somehow a blessing to you no that's a lie that's a lie it's a curse it's part of the curse of the law you can find that in deuteronomy 28 and leviticus 26 reason number 10 Is because Jesus Christ has redeemed us from that curse of the law, is what Galatians 3.13 tells us. Reason number 11, we believe that healing is the will of God because of Job. And if you were not here with us for that sermon, that may sound strange to you, because of Job. And I just say, go back and listen to that message. It's on on our website. You can find it. It's maybe about three sermons ago. And um, it's probably a message unlike you've heard about Job before. Reason number 12 on why we believe healing is always the will of God for everyone is because of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament types of redemption. And that's what we looked at last week, is we looked at a number of different types of redemption in in the Old Covenant. You know, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, that's what the word testament means. Do you understand that? It means covenant. Old Covenant, New Covenant. And so in the Old Covenant, it's just full of those types of redemption, and we looked at... You know what a type is? It's a symbolic representation of something that is to come. It symbolizes something. So in these types of redemption, we said we're going to look for two things. Remember, we were going to look for Jesus and look for healing in these types of redemption. And we looked at the Passover lamb, and we saw Jesus in healing there. We looked at the cleansing ceremony for the leper. Jesus in healing was there. We looked at the year of Jubilee. Jesus in healing. We looked at the atonement for the plague when when the plague was rampaging through the camp and the priest went out and stood between the living and the dead and atoned for them and the sickness was stopped. And we saw the type of Christ there as well as healing was available. And then the fifth one, the fifth type we looked at was the serpent on the on the pole out there that when the snakes came into the camp, and that if people would look up at the serpent, they would be healed. And we looked at this symbolicness of what that represented and, and the type of redemption that that was pointing to. We saw Jesus in healing, Jesus and healing in all of these. And um, I'll just read a scripture to you very quickly out of Second Chronicles 30, and it says, "For a large number of people Many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun were unclean. Yet they had eaten the Passover contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah, see he was king, had interceded for them, saying, May the good Lord provide atonement on behalf of whoever sets his whole heart on seeking God, the Lord God of his ancestors, even though not according to the purification rules, of the sanctuary. So Hezekiah here makes intercession for them. And he intercedes for atonement. Now, atonement is an Old Testament word. It means to cover. Right? It's not a New, new Covenant word. We don't, our sins are not covered in the New Covenant. They are removed. He died for the remission of sins. Not the covering of sins. When the Old Testament, that wasn't possible. So what was available was a covering of sin, and atonement for them. And then we go on and read in verse 20, this is where I was wanting to go. So the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. See, there's another type of Jesus and healing. He is our intercessor, right? And there was healing available in that too. So we said, last week we said, not last week, I guess it was the week before because Shane talked last week. Um, so we said how that, well, if the type has healing in it, then certainly the antitype, the the full realization of what the type was talking about in the future, would certainly have it as well. the 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 real deal is not going to do less than the symbol of the real deal, right? That just wouldn't make sense at all. So, we tonight are going to look not at types of redemption, but rather we're going to look at the real thing, the real McCoy. So reason number 13, why we believe that healing is always the will of God for everyone, is because of redemption. Because of redemption. This is one of my favorite sermons. Why? Because because of it. I exist here today. I exist as a child of the King. Because of the redemption, life is worth living. I owe everything to the redemption he has given to me. Did you know that healing belongs to you just as equally as forgiveness of sins belongs to you? Someone say healing belongs to me. Yeah. Let's go to first Corinthians, uh, no, 2 Corinthians um, chapter one and verse twenty. Second Corinthians 1 20. And This is what it says. It says, For every one of God's promises is yes in Him, in Jesus. Therefore, the Amen is also through Him for God's glory through us. I like how the NLT reads, it says, For all of, someone say all. all. So is there any promise of God that does not qualify? All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. I love it. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. All of his, you know, there's no blessing, past, present, or future, that has ever come to mankind or will come to mankind that does not come through or because of Jesus. Everything in the Old Covenant pointed forward to Jesus. And everything in the New Covenant points back to Jesus. He is the door. And without going through the door, you cannot have access to the Father. So, we are it's in His name. There's no name like His name. And every knee will bow at the mention of His name. Not all knees do now, but they all will. And it's a lot better to do it now. Let's go to um, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, and we'll start in verse 1. All of God's promises are yes and amen. Isaiah 53, 1 asks the question, who has believed what we have heard? Or who has believed the report of the Lord? It's a a legitimate question because a lot of people don't believe what he's about to say. There's many Christians today that believe that God might want to heal them, but we just don't know. We'll have to see whether or not we get healed and then we'll know whether or not he wanted us healed. But we know that God's will doesn't automatically just come to pass. That his will goes unfulfilled all the time. It's not His will that any should perish, is what Scripture tells us, yet people die and go to hell every day. So that's not His will for them, yet they go. So in the same way, in many other areas of life, God's will doesn't just automatically come to pass. So there is a faith that's required on our part for God's will to happen in our life. He says, who has believed what we have heard? Who's willing to say, I do? I believe Who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? Did you know, nothing that Jesus did is going to benefit you if you don't believe it. I mean, He died. He went to hell. He came back resurrected as our King. And yet, people don't believe that and go to hell themselves. When He already paid the bill for that. They don't need to go. So it does them no good if they don't receive it and believe it. So we must believe it for it to work for us. If you say, well, I've not been experiencing healing in my body, and I don't believe it works that way. Well, you're getting what you believe. Right? So how about changing it and deciding, I believe the report of the Lord, and then watching it come to pass in your body. Now keep in mind that Isaiah, the prophet, this is around 700 years, give or take, before Christ. So what was going on 700 years ago? So in the 1300s. So that's 1320. I mean, for someone to prophesy in 1320 that in the year 2020, we would have a president named Donald Trump, we would be like, wow! 700 years ago? Well, that was what this, the same thing. Think, think back to their time. This is so long... Isaiah prophesied it so far into the future that they they just like us only read about Isaiah and know about him because of what's written right here, and so finally, 700 years later, God is patient. Oh, that we'd be more like Him. Oh, that I would be more like Him. Patient, right? Seeing the long term. Verse two, he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root. Out of dry ground. A root in dry ground doesn't look real appealing. doesn't seem like it'd be much. seems kind of useless, really. A root in dry ground. It's not going to look like it's thriving. Like a root out of dry ground, He had no form or splendor that we should look at Him. No appearance that we should desire Him. You know, He wasn't attractive looking. His personality wasn't the charismatic type that everyone just, you know, had this magnetic pull to. That wasn't why people came and, and, and talked to him. There was something else that was there. In fact, I think he, was, he must have been a little homely. Because he had no form. doesn't just say, you know, a little. He was alright. He's like, he had no form or splendor to look at. So there was something else there. Verse 3. Let's read 3 and 4. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like one people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. The King James reads it this way. Many of you might have memorized it this way or heard it this way. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God or of God and afflicted. But you know, if he carried, if he bore our griefs and our sorrows, that sounds quite radically different than sicknesses and pains, doesn't it? I'm sure there's grief and sorrow in sickness and pain, but it's real anemic to the real meaning of what's going on here it's really weak and this was by design okay the King James translation is a very good translation um how many King James uh that's your regular bible King James version not new King James but the old one Uh, do we have in here okay a handful of people so we the, the King James translation is a pretty accurate translation as far as translations go um however it's an old translation right so it's, it's rather Shakespearean. In fact, I, I would recommend, if you're young, if, if you're older and more seasoned, and you spend a lot of times in the King James, I'm not asking you go get a different translation. But if you're young, I highly recommend a translation that was sometime in the last 100 years. <laughs> I mean, if you're younger than 300 even. <laughs> because here's what happens. You go out in the street and you try to quote a Bible verse in Shakespearean language to someone, and they're like, huh? So think about it. Yeah, it does get their attention. So again, the, the King James translation was um, very, very useful. Uh, it brought lots and lots of change to people. And in that time, they, w- they weren't very readily available, right? And so as that came out, well, what followed after the King James was many other translations through the years, even up into, you know, recent years, people tried to copy... The King James. They wanted it to sound similar to the verses that everyone had memorized, right? So they tried to pattern after it. So a lot of the translations continued to translate it griefs and sorrows instead of sicknesses and pains because they're wanting to be like the one that they're used to. And so recently in the last... um, 20 years, there are 10 years, 15 years, there are many modern translations that have corrected this, this error and uh, get it right. Now, they, a lot of the modern translations blow it in other areas, but they get that one right. And um, so it, it's fascinating to look at. The word griefs here, just so that you track with me why I'm saying what I'm saying, the word griefs here means sickness and disease, infirmity, that's what it means, sickness and disease. And it's used 24 times in the King James Bible, in the Old Covenant, 24 times. And it's used several of those times, are right here in this passage, in these surrounding verses. Yet, 20 of those times, it translated the word griefs as sickness or disease or infirmity. Yet, when they got to this point, they had an agenda. They felt like people would get the wrong idea if we put in sickness and pain, so we're going to put in something else. And so they changed it, and that's why we wound up with this being obscure to people for many years. There was a fascinating story about Billy Graham, and he was over in, I think it was in Africa somewhere, and he was ministering. And so the translator that is with him is, and they're reading from Isaiah 53, and they read through here, but in their language, it was translated correctly. Now, Billy Graham did not believe in divine healing like you and I do, that it's something that was paid for at the cross and belongs to us. And so he preaches this message, and, but the translator, every time that he says griefs, the translator is saying sickness, because that's how he read it in his Bible. So he's not trying to be misleading. He's just giving an accurate translation, right? And so this goes on the whole sermon. A whole bunch of people get healed. And Billy Graham's like, what's going on? Apparently, he said, there is more in this chapter than what we have been led to believe. <laughs> when I was in Liberia, Africa with uh, uh, Bruce with CRI, this is, I don't know, in 2010, I guess. And um, we did this crusade and we had about 3,000 people present one night and um, He preaches, and he preaches out of Isaiah 53, and he reads through here. And then afterwards, he asks people for testimonies. Well, everyone has a testimony, and everyone wants to share. And he's like, no, no, I don't think they understood, you know, and we did this several times, you know, know, put your hands back down. Who has a testimony of healing in your body? And again, this place is full of hands. So finally, we start pulling people out of the crowd and put a mic in their hand, put them on stage and tell us what happened. And we had everything from um, teeth being restored in people's mouth that they didn't have a tooth, and now it was there. We had all kinds of pains and sicknesses and tumors and lumps disappear. We watched an old lame man walk. I mean, he came in, he shuffled in through there with, with, with some sticks, and he was shuffling at about this speed. I sat there and watched him come into the, uh, into the soccer field where we were having the, the crusade. And he was over here on the outer skirt edge of the whole crowd, to the to the if you're standing on the stage, to the left of the stage. And so I watched, he came in and he sat down and and at the end I noticed that he was up and he was walking, but he didn't have his sticks. And he was just walking real slow though. And he kept going and they're praising the Lord down there and praising the Lord. And pretty soon he's going faster and faster. By the time it was done, he was running back and forth, and the stage was real high. It was probably about this high with one step in between. So it was like a giant step. He went up there unassisted. And so here was the reoccurring theme that we heard again and again and again. Oh, deaf ears, that was another thing that people were like, I was deaf, now I can hear. Now, I don't know any of these people. They might have been lying to us. But it was an overwhelming amount of lies. <laughs> I mean, everyone... And, and people are knowing each other like the, the, the old lame guy... He obviously people in the village knew him because the place went berserk when they saw him because they all knew yeah there's you know Arthur lame old Arthur and there he is sprinting around and climbing up the stage and so it was it was uh, wonderful but the thing that they said again and again and again was I was healed not when you prayed for us but when you read that part where he carried our sicknesses and our pains, all of a sudden I was healed. At the reading of his word, they took a hold of it and believed it and boom, that miracle popped right up inside of them. So here, let's let's look at it again. In verse 4, yet he himself this is the correct translation. He himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded Him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. This word carried, is it means carried away. Carried off. He carried off our pains. He carried off our sicknesses. Took them away. Bore them away. If you want to find a really good commentary on this verse, that I believe is the most accurate commentary that we have available to us today on this Scripture... Um, It was a commentary that was given to us through the Holy Spirit by a man named Matthew. And Matthew talked about this verse. In fact, let's go over there. We're going to come back here so you might want to hold your finger there. In in Matthew chapter 8, he talks about this very verse. And so we'll be able to show you with authority that it is not griefs and sorrows but it means sicknesses and diseases based on what Matthew said it meant. Now, how many here agree with me that Matthew probably had a better understanding of Hebrew than what we do today? Probably. Right? So, let's see what Matthew says in in chapter 8, in verse 14. So, when Jesus went into Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law, it'd be Peter's mother-in-law, not Jesus' mother-in-law, he saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick. Now, before I go further, I need to say something. You know, we have been given authority over evil spirits. There is absolutely no devil, no fallen angel, no evil spirit, no ghost, no demon that has any rights with you or on your property. The only right they have to come is if you permit them to. But if you have named Jesus as your Lord, as your master, you have the authority to say, not today, Satan, right, and command them to leave. I remember when I was a child, I, I would be terrified at night often because I would see demons out in our hallway. And I would be afraid. And I'd sometimes see them at the foot of my bed. And I'd be afraid. And I remember crying and telling my mom that I'm seeing scary things. And of course, she probably thought, you know, just a kid that, I don't know, was imagining things. But it was real. I'm telling you, it was real. And finally, we uh, we figured out that what was going on and she prayed and and took care of it, and they were gone, they didn't, uh, it might have, it might not have been until around the time that I became, uh, I made Jesus the Lord of my life, that was the last time I I stopped seeing that, and was free from it, so you can be free too, do not put up with evil spirits in your life, all right, that was all extra for tonight, let's go on here and look, so he drove out the spirits with a word, he healed all, someone say all, So nobody left out. He healed all who were sick. Verse 17. So that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses. This word means weakness, frailty, feebleness, sickness. All of that's included. He took our, or infirmities. He took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. He carried off our diseases. This is what Matthew says Isaiah 53 verse 4 means. That he took our infirmities, he took our diseases. So let's go back to Isaiah 53. So, is verse 4 talking about physical healing or spiritual healing? It's physical healing. It cannot be spiritual healing. It cannot be spiritual healing. Matthew said it was physical healing. He said they showed up, got delivered from devils, and were healed. This was to fulfill what Isaiah said, so Matthew thinks it's physical healing, not spiritual healing. So here's a question for you. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Here's a question for you first. Why was Jesus beaten? Why was he beaten? You know the short answer is for our healing, for our healing. He carried off, he bore our pains and sicknesses. At the same time, when he carried off and bore our sins it was at the same time there was a spiritual side of what he did there was also a physical side of what he did let's look at verse 5 and 6 he was pierced because of our transgressions crushed because of our iniquities punishment everyone say punishment punishment for our peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed By his wounds we are healed. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why was Jesus beaten? Well, beatings are punishment. Beatings are punishment for disobedience, for rebellion, for breaking God's laws and commands. Beatings aren't for when you do good. No, they're punishment. And in fact, I'll just read this to you. You don't need to turn there. In Deuteronomy 25, this was where if uh, people get into dispute, they end up in court. And then once the judge rules, is where I'll just read two verses. It says, If the guilty party deserves to be flogged, the judge will make him lie down and be flogged in his presence with the number of lashes appropriate for his crime. So depending on what you did, depending on how much of a beating you got. So you steal some certain amount of beating. You, I don't know. You know there was, there was levels of it. All the way up to, here he goes on, he says, he may be flogged with 40 lashes no more. Otherwise, if he is flogged with more lashes than these, your brothers will be d- degraded in your sight. So a beating is for punishment. Proverbs 10.13 says this. He says, wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning But a rod is for the one who lacks sense. A rod is for the one who lacks sense. I guess a good beating will knock some sense into him. So question, did Jesus lack sense or was he a fool? Did we lack sense or were we a fool? Yeah. He didn't, but he's the one getting beat. Proverbs 26.3 says, A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. A rod for the back of fools. Proverbs 19.29 Judgments. Everyone say judgment. judgment. Judgments are prepared for mockers and beatings for the backs of fools. Jesus is being judged here. Not for something He did, but for something you and I did. And judgment is coming to Him and He is getting a deserved beating. Beating we deserved, not Him. So I asked the question, why was Jesus beaten? Well, because he was being judged as a fool. not because he was a fool, but because he was taking a fool you and I and all the rest of humanity. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus did not take that beating to remove our sin. That beating wasn't necessary at all for the removal of sins. In fact, he could have just went straight from judgment out to the cross, gave his life And went to hell and paid the sacrifice of sin for our our, us. And he didn't need to do the beating for our sin at all. His blood was for our sin. His body was for our healing. That's what it tells us here in Isaiah Isaiah 53. His blood was enough to remove our sins. The only reason he took that beating and didn't say a word was for our physical. Not spiritual healing, physical healing. Jesus said it this way, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what he told Nicodemus. He did not tell Nicodemus, you must be healed spiritually to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said, you must be born again. That's new life. That's not healed life. That's just brand new life. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Well, there's a death that took place. Your death, my death. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So crucified, put to death that 's not healed. new life. second corinthians five seventeen another one. therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, say new creation, new creation, new creation. not healed creation. He is a new creation. Something that didn't exist before, now exists. Old things have passed away, and look, all new things have come. doesn't say all the old things were healed. But all new things have come. So what are we talking about? We're talking about physical healing that happened here. Not spiritual healing. By His wounds, you are healed. Notice it doesn't say spiritually. But people will add that there. Spiritually. You know, that whole thing is short-circuited. You cannot be healed spiritually. You need to be born again. There is no healing that takes place for you spiritually. There is only new life. So he's not talking about spiritual healing here. The blood of Jesus isn't what heals you. The Bible says it's the wounds. Of Jesus. The black and blue marks. That's what stripes means, if you're reading in the King James. By His stripes. The word stripe means black and blue bruises. And if you took a bunch of lashes, you'd probably have all kinds of stripes and look like a zebra. Right? By His stripes, you are healed. Jesus was so horribly beaten. If, In fact, if you back up into Isaiah 52, and if you'll look down in verse 14, it says, just as many of you many were appalled at you. His appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man and his form did not resemble a human being. I mean, they beat him to a mush. Unrecognizable. All stuff he didn't have to do for you to be delivered from hell. This is something else he's doing for you. He was so severely beaten. Do you remember how when they sent Him to go out to the crucifixion site that He started out carrying His cross and then He couldn't go anymore and they had to help Him? Because He was so beaten to the pulp. In, in 1 Peter 2.24, I'll read it to you because um, we're going to stay here in Isaiah. Peter said this, he said, "...He Himself bore, bore our sins in His body on the tree." So that we might die. Everyone say die. So that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. There's the spiritual side. There's no healing. There's death. There's new life. And then he's not done. He goes on in the next line and he says, and by his wounds you have been healed. There's the physical side. His death was for the spiritual side. His beating was for the physical side. By his wounds, you have been healed. Notice Peter changed the tense to past tense. Have been healed. Already happened. It's because Peter's looking about 30 years back to the cross. And is saying back there 30 years ago, you were already healed. That's where that right was given to you at Jesus' beating. Well, Isaiah, 700 years before the cross, is looking into the future to the cross and saying by his wounds, you are healed not past tense. That's why this has changed. Why you see it in the Scripture like this. Proverbs 18.6 says, The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. The lips of fools just cause strife. And their mouth is asking to get a beating. You know, Jesus' lips didn't bring Him that beating. Our lips did. Humanity's lips did. You and me. Let's look at verse 7 and not through 9 here. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet He did not open His mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before her shears, He did not open His mouth. Someone say, He did not open His mouth. Let's say it again. He did not open His mouth. Verse 8, He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered His fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man at his death. Although he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. So there was no foolishness on his lips. Jesus never missed it. He never sinned. He never had a day where, boy, I really blew that one. He never did any of that. And so he deserved none of this. Oh, but you and I have blown it, haven't we? We've been like, "Woo, that was a wreck. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Right? We, we've done all kinds of things that deserve complete and utter destruction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God is what the Word tells us. Nobody's left out on that. But that doesn't mean that we're. if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're not a sinner. Some people will say, I'm just an old sinner. Well, then get saved. Right? We're not just old sinners. At least I'm not. I'm a saint. That's what the Word tells me. I'm a saint because I believe Jesus' sacrifice was for me and that He lives and He makes intercession for me and that His righteousness was given to me. So that doesn't make me an old sinner anymore. That was the old man. Yeah, that old guy, boy, he was rotten. Right? Yeah, but what if, what if you sin? Well, when we were in Colorado last time, My father-in-law, the children's grandpa, took them out in his airplane for a ride. And while they're up there flying, he lets Adrian take the controls. Adrian's sitting up front, so Adrian's flying the planes for several minutes, right? You go up and down, sideways, do some turns. Yep. So he's flying the plane. So does that make him a pilot? No. (laughs) No. Just because he flew a plane doesn't make him a pilot. I'm not sending my family with him anywhere (laughs) in that plane. Just if you sin, that doesn't make you a sinner. Any more than him flying makes him a pilot. Until he gets all the certifications and becomes a pilot, right? Back in verse 7, it says he did not open his mouth. You know, if he would have, well, he could have brought a stop to it all right there. I mean, all he would have to do is just say a little bit. And he could have been exonerated of everything. We have, a whole, we have books full of how he would answer people and, and, and they were always without cause. And you think he couldn't have done that now? Absolutely he could have. And on top of all of that, with just a small command, he could have had 12 legions of angels with him that would have suddenly, poof, appeared and they would have set things right in a hurry. But he didn't open his mouth and get that relief. He didn't do it. He refused to open his mouth. Because the bill needs to be paid. The bill needs to be paid. I'm going to let them lay me down here and fillet me with this whip. I mean, they're, they're, they're whips. If you ever want to see a good depiction, I believe, of what took place, go watch The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's movie. And it's gruesome. Man, I mean, they just like destroyed him. Proverbs 20, verse 30 says, Lashes and wounds purge away evil. And beatings cleanse the innermost parts. Beatings cleanse the innermost part. You know, when you take a child that's been naughty and you spank them, there is a cleansing that happens to their conscience that doesn't happen in time out. It doesn't happen in time out. But there is, when that behind gets paddled, There is something that takes place on the inside of them, and the word mentions it again and again, and it talks about it. And it is biblical to spank your children. It is not right to beat them, okay? But it is right to paddle their bottoms and to do it in love. And there is a, the word details it out that if you love your children, you're going to spank them. It says that if you spank them, you'll deliver them from hell. Pretty severe. So when he says lashes and wounds purge away evil, you know so if if you spent um, if you've ever watched people that had an attitude get into a fight, like they come to blows, it is amazing how at the end of that fight they're bloodied and broken, and somehow they're friends over there again. They shake hands and away they go, and it's like, what happened over there? And there's something in that that they just, there's a release, I guess. I don't know. So the next time someone frustrates you, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. You pray for them. When they frustrate you, you pray for them. You love on them. So again, why was Jesus beaten for us on our behalf? To deliver us from the curse of sickness and pain. Now listen, all sickness, all of it. All sickness is punishment. Punishment for sin and rebellion and disobedience. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. I'm not saying just because you find some symptom in your body that, oh, where did I sin? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking it comes because of sin. And so all sickness is punishment. And it's part of the curse of the law. In fact, we talked about it earlier. Leviticus 26 and and Deuteronomy 28 details every sickness that... Ever was or ever will be as part of the curse of the law. So sickness is not a blessing, is it? It's a curse. It's a curse. So the next time someone tells you, well, it's just a blessing in disguise, you tell them, that's a lie. All right, let's go back and read it again, Isaiah 53. Let's go to 1 and just read from verse 1. Who has believed what we have heard? And who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? He grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or splendor that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like one people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet He Himself bore our sicknesses and He carried our pains. Now, if you have a translation that says griefs and sorrows, here's what you do. You cross that word out and you write in sicknesses and diseases and then right beside it, you write down Matthew 8.17. But in turn, we in turn regarded Him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. We're thinking, wow, He's getting it. He must have done something. I mean, isn't that what, what happened when they put Him on the cross? Well, Guess he must be a bad guy after all. Look at that. No, it wasn't because of something he did. Verse 5 says, it was He was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of This word laid on carries the idea of violent punishment put on you. The Lord did it, is what it says. The Lord laid it on him. Verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep silent before her shearers. He did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. Who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man at his death. Although he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him. The word is to bruise him. The Lord was pleased to bruise him and he made him sick. Now again, the King James will say grief there, but it's the same word as earlier that means and he made him sick. When, when you make him a restitution offering, you will see his seed. He will prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will succeed by his hand. He will see it out of his anguish, and he will be satisfied with his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil, because he submitted himself to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet He bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. Oh, hallelujah! Interceded for the rebels, for you and I took our sin and then made a case for us. How awesome is that? Nothing we did to deserve it just because He's good. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, I mean, the full brunt of God's judgment has come down on Him. The full brunt of judgment on sin has been put squarely on Jesus for all humanity and you know the word says he was made sin for us he never sinned but he was made sin for you and me and i believe that is why well when he he faced physical death right We know that when He went to the Garden of of Gethsemane and prayed and He sweated great drops of blood and was dismayed unto death and all these things, it wasn't because He was facing physical death. Come on, there's many men that have faced physical death much more braver than that. There was something else Jesus was about to face that was much more terrifying than physical death. That's just a temporary short thing. He was getting ready to be made sin, which meant separation from God. Which meant I am no longer one with my Father. Which There's only one penalty for that. And that's hell. And you and I's penalty, the bill for you and I's sin, is going to hell. That's the penalty. Someone had to pay that bill. And Jesus, knowing that is coming, would cause you to do some sweating. Would cause you to say, Lord, is there any other way we can do this? Ah, never mind. Let's do it your way. And then... He, had, he did suffer physical death, but he also suffered spiritual death. You know, just in case you were reading some scripture for that, you can find there's many scriptures for it. Um, but in Acts chapter 2, at the day of Pentecost, when Peter preaches that sermon, and he clearly details out in there that God delivered Jesus from hell. God did not leave him in hell, in Hades. It talks about God ended the pains of death for Jesus. The pains of death. Well, how if you died physically, how are you still in pain? You're not. So the pains of death, He ended not like they were ongoing. He's talking about a different kind of death here. Not physical death anymore. He's talking about torture and death and separation from God. And so He ended the pains of death. And in Hebrews it says the sufferings of death. Like there was something ongoing there for Him. And again and again, we're told in the New Testament that He is the firstborn. After this, He was born again, spiritually, just like you and I have to be. And when God rescued Him out of hell, He didn't resurrect Himself. He didn't rescue Himself. We, we often you know, hear people go, oh yeah, He marched in there and took the keys away. Well, not really. He was a prisoner and deserved to be there because my sin was on Him. So he had no right to try to take a key from anybody. And God, it says, resurrected him. God rescued him from the pains of death. God went down and brought him out of there. And boy, did they come out then with keys and procession and celebration and all these things. Rescued him from the pains of death. So what should we do when we discover sickness in or on our body? How do we deal with that? Okay, fine. I understand that Jesus at the, took our beating for our healing, for our sicknesses, for our diseases. But now, what should we do when we find it in our body? Now, just because Jesus delivered you from sin, does that mean that you've never ever struggled with sin again? No. But there's victory for it. Well, the same way with sickness. doesn't mean you're never going to encounter it again, but there's victory for it. Victory for it. Unlike Jesus here, this is one place you do, don't do imitate Jesus. You open your mouth. He didn't open His mouth because the bill had to be paid. But what Jesus does as your substitute is not your example. What He did for you as a substitute is not an example to you. He did it for you so that you can do something else. right? So open up your mouth and begin to talk. When you feel sickness or disease come on you. We need to open our mouth because Jesus already paid the price and since the price was already paid, there's no sense in us paying it again, right? If I went, if they came in here and said, you know, whose gray car is that out there parked wrong? and The police came in here and they were going to beat you because you parked in a place you weren't supposed to park, right? And I said, hold on, Here. I'll, I'll take the beating. So they come over and they beat me silly. So I took it for you. It would be completely silly if they walked over to you if you didn't say, hold on. He, he took the punishment. He took it. Well, I'm not going to take it again. Stop. Whoa. Let's go to Acts 22 and we're going to see something and we're going to shout a little bit. Acts 22. Paul is, well, like normal. Spirit of persecution is following him. That's what the thorn in his flesh is. We'll get to that in a later sermon. But the thorn in his flesh was persecution. It was not physical sickness. And we will make a very good strong case for that from the Word. Okay? Um, But Paul, like normal, this spirit following him around and and trying to raise trouble for him. And... um, he, he was preaching to them and boy, they didn't like what he said. And in verse 22 of chapter 22 says, They listened to him up to this word and then they raised their voices shouting, Wipe this person off the earth! It's a disgrace for him to live! As they were yelling and flinging aside their robes and throwing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, directing that he be examined with the scourge so he could discover the reason they were shouting against him like this. So what are they going to do? They're going to whip Paul and ask questions. And then depending if they like the answer or not, give him another one or two and then ask a question again. And they're going to examine him and they're going to they're going to whip him. As they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, now just imagine this. they taking taken him. They stripped probably his shirt and coat off, whatever. And they, they stretched him out. A couple guys grab him. The other guy's over there with the whip probably getting some warm-up cracks in. You know, maybe he's flexing and stretching and he's going to get a workout in on him. And, and Paul says, Hey, hey, is it legal for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and is uncondemned? Paul opened his mouth. When the centurion heard this, he went and reported to the commander. So apparently he goes back into the the barracks somewhere and finds the chief saying, what are you going to do for this man's a Roman citizen? So the commander comes and says to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, he said. The commander replied, "I, I, I bought this citizenship for a large amount of money. But I myself was born a citizen, Paul says. I was born a citizen. Let me just keep reading before I get real excited here. Verse 29, Therefore those who were about to examine him withdrew from him at once. The commander too was afraid when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and he had bound him. Like, oh boy, I hope word doesn't get back to Caesar about what I did. Violating the rights of one of our citizens not giving him a proper hearing. See, as a Roman citizen, you had certain rights. You had rights to have a fair trial. You had rights to present all sides of the case. You had rights. There was no beating. There was no imprisonment until things were done right because you as a Roman citizen had rights that other people didn't have. And he he didn't buy this, you know, Money buys a lot of things much like today in politics too. I guess you could buy your, you could actually become a citizen because you were born a citizen. You could become a citizen by doing great heroic acts in war or if you had enough money you could buy it. Right? And so here Paul says, "No, not me. I was born a citizen." And that with that comes certain rights and privileges. Listen, if you, if you've made Jesus your lord and master, you were born A citizen of heaven. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, there's certain rights and privileges that come with that citizenship, come on, that you can stand up and say, no, no, I'm not taking... Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a citizen of heaven. Is it right that you should be on me a citizen from heaven? No, no, it's not. And you reject that sickness that's coming at you. You reject that disease that's trying to come on you. You refuse to accept it. Nope, not having it. Not on my body today. Not today, Satan. Reason number 13 why we believe healing is the will of God for everyone is because of redemption. Because of redemption. I have more, and I know it's getting later, um, but we're just going to keep, keep going. It won't be much longer. I'll talk fast, and you'll listen fast. Romans 8. Let's go over there. Romans 8. Everyone say redemption. Verse 31. Now, Paul had just made this statement about you know, man, we have purpose and we've been called to this and we've been predestinated to do this and we're justified and, and He's glorified and made all these great statements, right? Then he says this in verse 31. He says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare His own Son, but offered Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him grant us everything? He's saying God's not withholding from us. There's nothing He would withhold from you. If He gave His Son for you, then surely He'll give anything else for you. Verse 33, Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? I mean, who can condemn when God is justifying you? Oh, Satan wants to. He's the accuser of the brethren. But all you have to do is stick with Him right stick with him he'll justify you who is the one verse 34 who is the one who condemns Christ Jesus is the one who died but even more has been raised he is also at the right hand of god and intercedes for us who can separate us from the love of christ can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, or end times, or COVID, or lockdowns, right? Who can separate us from the love of God? And then he quotes Psalms 44 verse 22. And he quotes, and it sounds, I'm bringing this out because this is a point of misunderstanding. I grew up with this misunderstanding. He quotes this, he says, As it is written, Because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. This verse was used because it sounds similar to what happened to Jesus back in Isaiah 53. That he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, like a lamb before the shears is dumb. I mean, we used to have a bunch of sheep. And when we were growing up, we would shear those sheep, right? And um, it was funny because they would run until you catch them. And as soon as you had them, well, they quit struggling. You can lay them down, shear them. I mean, occasionally you had the one rebellious one, but that's normal, right? <laughs> but for the most part, they'd just be like, "Yeah, dumb before the shear. Quit struggling. You shear them. You do what they want. Let them go, and then they run, right?" So here, what many people hear and believe is that, "Oh yes, yeah, see, here we go. We're just like..." sheep being led to, the, led to the slaughter we're just being put to death oh woe is us what can we certainly do about it nothing because this is just our lot that's the idea that religion has given over to people and people think oh it must be talking about over there in Isaiah like Jesus you know and he was our example no he was our substitute he is our example absolutely but not in that he was our substitute so hold your finger here we're going to come right back to it but we're going to go clear this up Uh, In Psalms 44. Let's see why he would quote this. See, Paul would have known that his readers understand this quote. What this quote means, where it comes from, the context of the quote. He would have known that they know about this particular verse. And and what it means. So let's go back to Psalms 44 and, and begin reading in verse... Nine. Now, the first eight verses is talking about how God gave us victory. And then suddenly along and about verse 9, things shift. It says, "...but you have rejected us and humiliated us. You do not march out with our armies." You make us retreat from the foe, and those who hate us have taken plunder for themselves. You hand us over to be eaten like sheep and scatter us among the nations. You sell your people for nothing. You make no profit from selling them. You make us an object of reproach to our neighbors, a source of mockery and ridicule to those around us. You make us a joke among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. My disgrace is before me all day long, and shame has covered my face. Because of his voice the scorner and reviler, because of the enemy and avenger. All this has happened to us, but we have not forgotten you or betrayed your covenant. They're saying, God, you're the problem. You're the problem. We've kept the covenant. We've been walking right, but man, you hate us. Isn't that what they said? You reject us. You hate us. Let's go on, keep reading. All this happened to us, but we have not forgotten you or betrayed your covenant. Our hearts have not turned back. Our steps have not strayed from your path. Oh, but you have crushed us as haunts of jackals and have covered us with the deepest darkness. If we had forgotten the name of our God and spread out our hands to a foreign God, wouldn't God have found this out since He knows the secret of the heart? Because of you, it's your fault, God. Because of you, we are slain all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. See, they are blaming God. That's what the context, of this verse is, is blaming God and saying, "God's my problem." Do you see that? So it's important to understand that context when you go read here in Romans eight, let's jump back over here. In Romans eight, I'll just read in verse 35 again, "Who can separate us from the love of Christ? can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or or danger or sword as it's written because of you we're being put to death all day long we're counted as sheep to be slaughtered it's all your fault Lord and he answers it in verse 37 he goes no or as the King James I think says nay nay not today he goes no In all these things, we are more than conquerors. He's saying, it's not that way. You go, no, stop it. We are more than victorious through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord so like Paul you need to open up your mouth and say hey I'm a citizen no that's not allowed on me that's not allowed in my family that disease isn't welcome on me claim your rights stand on your rights refuse to back down come on stand up with me someone say Jesus already paid that bill I have been judged with a verdict of not guilty and with no case pending. Oh, hallelujah. I'm redeemed from hell. I'm redeemed from sickness. I'm redeemed from poverty. I am a citizen of heaven. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. His blood cleansed me His wounds healed me. His laws govern me. I am His. I am at your service, my God and King. Oh, let's worship Him. Okay, I need to do something before we go further into our our songs. Everyone sit down, if you would, that that has a seat behind you. (laughs) Listen, if you need healing in your body tonight, if there are symptoms in your body tonight, and you need healing from those symptoms, then I'm going to invite you to do this one thing. To believe what he says right here. That by his wounds, I am healed. By his wounds, I was healed. That he carried my sickness and disease. It's not mine anymore. It's his. He took it. I, I refuse ownership of it. So if that's you tonight, I'm going to invite you to do this. Just stand up right where, where you are. We're not going to ask you to come down front. But, but by you standing, this is you agreeing that this is mine. This is you receiving it in faith and saying, I take it, Lord. I believe it. I receive it that you did this for me on the cross. So just go ahead and stand up if that's you. Just to receive it and a statement of your faith to the Father that I believe the report of the Lord. Let's say that. I believe the report of the Lord. Say, I am healed. Body, you cooperate now. And come into alignment with the finished work of Christ. Be healed in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now we can rejoice. Now you can stand up and rejoice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being willing to come, for taking our stripes, our beatings, for taking the punishment for our death, the punishment for our sin. Father, thank you for rescuing him out of hell. Thank you that you didn't leave him there because he didn't deserve to be there. Father, we bless you. We bless you. Jesus, we bless you, our King. You are our King. We worship you, Lord. We exalt Jesus, you, Jesus. You are worthy to be Jesus. praised. You are high and lifted up. We lift you up, Father. You are good. You are good in every way. Thank you, Lord. If the Lord has stirred something in your heart that you feel you ought to uh, share or do right now, would be the time. Thank you, Lord.
1: I just had it in my heart to ask if anyone, is there anyone here that has never received Jesus? Because if you haven't, tonight's your night. Come down to the front and your life will be forever changed.
0: That's right. Hallelujah.
1: Or maybe you have once upon a time, but you've lost your way. And you'd like to put a stake in the ground tonight. That redemption began all those years ago for you make him your Lord and Savior tonight yes I just felt like I was supposed to ask that
0: if that's you don't hesitate tonight today is the day of salvation is what the word says not tomorrow Father, I just ask You to have Your way and will right now. In each one of us and whatever You want to accomplish in this moment, You haven't given me the release to close the service, Father. So there's something that You want to do and we just give You the floor, Lord. And say, have at it.
2: Onto to that time of year where people start thinking about new year's resolutions well what am i going to do this year what am i going to do that year you know what am i going to what, what am i going to aim for this coming year some of you probably don't like resolutions because 90 percent of resolutions that are started at the beginning of each year are failed within the first month and just recently i was thinking i was thinking about that since that season then it dawned on me you know why so many resolutions are given up within the first month of being started the dawn of a new year because they wait people wait I'll start the new me at the beginning of the year I'll start the new me at the dawn of the new year I'll start it then I'll start it then but let me tell you something If you're going to put it off to the start of a new year, guess what? It's going to be the same thing next year. Start a new, new me next year. Next year. So why put it off? Why put off your New Year's resolutions and start the new you at the beginning of the new year? Start it today. Why wait to start the new you to the beginning of the new year? Start it now. So if you're wondering about giving your life to Christ, oh, I'll wait to the new year. No, don't wait. Whether you're listening to me now here in this congregation or if you're listening online, why wait? Don't put it off another day. The new you starts right now. So start it now. Give your life to Christ and start your new you right here and right now because if you put it off tomorrow tomorrow will never come it will always be tomorrow so go ahead start it now praise god
0: so if you're listening by internet and that was you I'm going to invite you to just pray this out. There's no time like right now. God is so faithful that His blood will cleanse and forgive every sin. There's no sin that's too strong for the blood of Jesus. So here's what you do. You just tell the Lord, Lord, I submit to you. I yield myself to you. And I receive what you did for me at the cross, that you suffered for me, that you died for me. And I receive the righteousness that you give to me now as though it were my very own. And Father, I thank you that you would fill me too with the Holy Spirit right here, right now. I believe, say this, I believe Jesus died and rose and lives again. I believe That He is alive and He is my Savior. And welcome to the family. Welcome to the family of God. You are now born a citizen. You are now a citizen with rights in the kingdom of heaven. That everything that God has provided for you is available to you now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just go ahead and thank Him for it. If you're driving your car, maybe you need to park. (laughs) and just praise the Lord for a bit.
3: I'm here to testify to God's love and to God's healing power. Our pastor's been preaching about healing and how real it is, how powerful our God is and how he'll do whatever we ask him to do in our lives. And I'm asking you as he has, have you opened your mouth? Because a couple of weeks ago, I opened my mouth. I had pain in the back of my leg so bad that I could hardly walk, let alone jump up and down like that. And all I needed to do was to open my mouth. And I opened my mouth to two young fellas, Shane in the back and Alex up front. And I asked them when we were downstairs fellowshipping, if they would come to the side and they would pray for me, lay hands on me and pray for me. And they both said yes immediately. They both laid hands on me. And within moments, I was healed. So God's healing power is real. Have you opened your mouth? Amen. Good.
4: I'd like to confirm what Caleb said because the Lord spoke that to my heart as well, several weeks ago, not to wait to January. We're in a very special time of the Lord right now, 2020. It's been special. It is your perspective, but he is doing a new thing. It says in Isaiah 43, verse 18 Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, that means look at. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and in the rivers of the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I have given water in the wilderness, in the rivers, in the desert, to give drink to my people, my chosen. And isn't that something? The next verse is 21. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth praise. Hallelujah. God is doing a new thing. Grab hold of it today. Don't wait till January 1st. Grab hold right now. This day in December. He's doing a new thing.
3: So as I was uh, holding Azariah in the back and Troy was speaking, Azariah, we, we've taught him sign language for like more, all done. And he was, as I was holding him, he just kept going like this, which means more. And instantly in my heart, I just felt like the Lord said, this is what I want right now. I want more, more in my kingdom. I want more people to come to me and I want them to be just like, you see your son right now childlike just come come into his presence come in and be a son or a daughter just come no regrets no looking back as if no one's watching you just come
0: has come up for me a number of times, so I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, just say it. But somebody needs to sing Psalm 151. <laughs> I'm not saying it needs to be done right now. I'm just saying you, you need to sing Psalm 151. You say, well, what is Psalm 151? Well, the last one in the book is Psalm 150. So it's a new song. It's a new song. All right. And so somebody needs to sing a new song unto the Lord. And there will, ooh, ooh, (laughs) ooh. There will be deliverances and victories in that song. Things will be broken and things (laughs) will be birthed in that song. Thank you, Lord. So sing, sing a new song. So I'm kind of here backing up Jen's word. A little, a little closer to your mouth. Oh, uh, well I'm here backing up Jen's word. This the person I need salvation is here. Her, I their repentance her here. And I'm just, I, do it. You no, know? there's no holding back. It's the best decision you could ever make.
3: So just do it.
0: one way that we love God is we love on each other we check up on each other we hug each other we say how are you doing is there anything that you need can I pray for you are you walking in victory you're not alone we're here with you let's do that alright
4: Glad to see everybody here tonight. Church of the Word International, Lancaster, PA. I have a question for you all tonight. Why were you created? To worship God? Who else? To have a relationship? Anyone else? To what? To reach the world. Spread his love for his pleasure. Boy, you are a smart bunch. You're all correct. Can I give you a specific word on that, why you were created? In Isaiah 43, it says in verse 21, This people have I created for myself that they should show forth my praise. Wow. Can I say it one more time? This people. Say, that's me. This people have I formed for myself that they should show forth my praise. That's why you were created. That's a specific word. To praise him. Now, think about this. We're here in the flesh for a very short time. But for all of eternity... We're going to be in heaven. And what do you think we're going to be doing up there? <laughs> we're going to be praising and worshiping our king, our savior, our redeemer. So we are in training right now. And I want to just encourage you in revelation. This is what's going on in heaven. The four beasts, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night saying, Holy, Holy Holy Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come and when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever the 4 and 20 elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou has created all things and for thy pleasure I have been created let's stand up together family of God and let's do the word of God let's give them all the glory praise blessing and honor and glory and power to the lamb who sits upon the throne amen
0: Except for Jesus, all would be lost. We have a special guest of honor tonight. I'm trying to see if they're here yet. I hear a yes. So, Shane and Nicole, if you would bring that special guest of honor and come up. Where you may be seated. And we are going to have a baby dedication. How many know that dedicating your child to the Lord is a good thing? And we encourage everyone here that um, you do need, do need to ask us. We don't just do it without uh, you asking us. But if you have a new little one and you come in, um, ask us to, uh, if you would like to dedicate it with the congregation to the Lord. And then we will do that. Did Shane leave on us? Okay. Father, we thank you for each one of these children in this place tonight. And Lord, I just ask you to encounter each one tonight. Father, touch them by your Spirit in an individual way to them, Lord, and in a way that would minister to their spirit. Minister to their body, minister to their soul. And I thank You for it. Father, we call the children in this house blessed. Father, we call them mighty men and women of, of the Lord. Lord, we recognize that they're a gift from You and we're grateful for life for the life that You've given so abundantly in this house. and We bless You for it. Father, we don't take this for granted at all. And Lord, we recognize there's a certain responsibility that comes with that. That we as parents, we as grandparents, as uncles and aunts, as friends, as family, as, as church body, Lord, there's a responsibility to us to be the example and to train up and to raise up and to walk with and, and to show the way father for this coming generation so i ask you for a special grace for each one here to do just that lord and i thank you for it in jesus name and amen all right shane nicole Michiel. am i saying that right Michiel. So um, in a moment, we're going to lay hands on Misha- Mishael, and we're going to pray for him and for you. Um, but when we do that, I want to invite you know any grandpas and grandmas and family that's in the house, um, as well as Jen, to come, and, and we'll do that together. So I have a series of questions um, that you are aware that we ask you as parents, and so you can answer, we do. Or if you don't, we have to have a conversation, right? <laughs> and then I'll ask two, two questions to you as a congregation and to myself, and uh, we're going to answer we do to that as well. So Shane and Nicole, do you desire that Michiel Edward Englishberger will grow in the fear and admonition of the Lord? And do you promise to provide for him a Christian home where God is honored and his word is taught? Do you pledge yourselves to live in such a way that your words and your actions will commend Jesus and His church to Michiel? Yes. Shane and Nicole, do you promise that you will be a spiritual guide for Michiel, praying and watching for the day when he will be ready to receive Christ as personal Lord and Savior? Amen. Alright congregation and myself, do you the people of God in this church covenant with Shane and Nicole to provide a loving church home for Michelle? Yes, we do. And congregation, do you promise to continue teaching the Bible in this church so that Michelle will never lack hearing the truth of God's Word in this house? Yes, we do amen all right well anyone that uh any of you family that would like to come and be a part of the prayer i welcome you wow very very precious father i thank you right now for mishael thank you for the blessing of his life that you have given and lord we just declare right now that he's yours we present him to you father for your service, for your glory, for your use. Lord, I thank you for giving this precious, precious life to Shane and Nicole. And I ask you, Lord, that you work in him that His destiny that You've created for Him, that the gifts and callings that You've placed in Him, that You would even at a young age bring those out, bring those to the surface. Father, I ask that You send people into His life in the future to to walk with Him, The, the divine relationships, the divine places that You would have Him to be, Father. We just call those things into alignment now in Jesus' name. And we call You protected all the days of Your life and that you live a long, full, healthy life in Jesus' name. And Father, I ask for divine wisdom for both Shane and Nicole, that you would just anoint them in a special way to raise up their children, to raise up Mishael, to love you, to walk with you all the days of his life. And I thank you for wisdom in the moment that they need it. I thank you that you give them understanding that goes beyond any experience they have. And we call them blessed in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Numbers. 24 and 25, or 24 through 26. Yeah,
3: let's do that one. Okay.
0: <laughs> the Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look with favor on you mm-hmm. and give you peace. Yes, yes powerful words. I was, I was praying in the prayer room um, for him and asking the Lord if there's anything that You know, He wanted me to say in particular uh, to Him or over Him. And um, I felt like the Lord said to me that just like His name, which means who is like God or who is equal to God, um, that He, those that are around Him, He will always be a reminder to them that there is no equal to God. And so, uh, yes, with favor and peace, amen. Bless you.
1: Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Welcome again. Do we have anyone that's here with us for the very first time? If so, we'd like to welcome you. So if you're first time here at Church of the Word International, could you raise your hand? We're all family here. Well, you know, I was just thinking this evening how, how thankful I am for all of you. And I just want to tell you that. I'm really, I'm thankful and grateful to be here. I am, I look out at all of y'all and I see love and I see people that root for each other. I see people that um, want to see one another succeed. And a place where we can relax and let your hair down. I mean, what I mean is, is, yeah, you don't have to what I mean is, is you don't have to be worried about not knowing what to say next, or, you know, if you step out in boldness and you're not quite sure, no one's, everyone's rooting for you here, you know, no one's like, oh, you messed up, you know, like, we're going to stone you, you know, like, I don't know, it's, it's a special thing here, there's community here. And I felt like I was to say this. If what I'm saying to you doesn't resonate with you, and you're saying, well, I don't know what you mean by that community stuff because no one's being a friend to me, and I don't feel this community stuff. Well, I have two questions. One is, are you serving here? Are you serving on one of the Saturday night teams? Are you serving the local body here in some way, even maybe throughout the day-to-day? And number two is, is are you being a friend? Are you interested in everyone else around you? Are you asking questions and caring, checking up, seeing how you can help? I I dare you try those two things. (laughs) Try those two things for a couple months and then ask yourself, do I feel like I have community here? Because I'm looking at a group of people that I'm pretty certain. I know there's a core group here that would say they have community here. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening, so if you need a cash envelope, raise your hand. And I wanted to turn to Luke chapter 5 and just encourage you tonight in the matter of giving and receiving. So, you know, Paul put it that way. He said it's a matter, a, a one coin, two sides to the one coin. There's giving and there's receiving. So, uh, and, you know, Jesus said to give and you shall receive. Jesus said that, and actually a chapter later you you see that. So I wanted to read this account here. Luke chapter 5. It says in verse 1, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. I'll just get a picture of that. Here's a people so hungry for hope, so hungry for something real and alive and the word, they—they're they're just hungry for it. They're pressing in on him. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had got out, of, gone out of them, and were washing their nets. So, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. I get a picture here. Okay, these fishermen—they've been out all night. They've already docked the boats; so they're tied up. Maybe. Everything's been squared away in the in the boat. You know, everything's been swept up and, and everything, and they're washing their nets. They're tired, hungry, thinking about breakfast. And here comes this preacher and gets into one of these boats and says, Hey, sir, do you mind if I use this boat? You know, could we press out, you know, push out a little and do you mind if I use this? You know, Simon didn't have to say yes. He could have been like, you know what, um, you know. George over there has a boat, and I've been out working all night, and I know my wife probably has biscuits and gravy sitting at home. And you know, we got this thing going on later in the day. You know, got this birthday party thing. Everybody's got to be there. I really need a nap. So it is really not convenient right now for me to serve you, to give in this thing you're asking a preacher, by the way. You know, it's just not convenient. He didn't have to say yes. Now, I know he said yes because what it say next says he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So he must have said yes to Jesus. Don't wait for it to be convenient. I'm not saying that every time someone asks you to do something, you're expected to do it. But notice here, this is the master speaking. The Lord was speaking. So you check with the Lord, not your calendar when someone comes and asks about what you should do, okay, you you check with the Lord, and Lord, is this you, you know, because you're going to have lots of opportunities, lots of people asking you to do stuff, not every one of them, just because you're asked, are you supposed to do stuff, and sow into things, but he's sowing a seed right now, he is giving to Jesus' ministry, giving what he had, he had his time, and he had a boat, he had some resources, so he gives, so he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Now, Jesus is not a moocher. God is not a moocher. You know what I mean by that? Someone who just expects, you know, asks you to do stuff for him and never plans on, you know, just taking advantage of, never plans on giving anything in return, always looking for what they can gain, never looking to give. <clears throat> That's not God. Okay, That is not his heart. You will see that in anything the Lord requires of you, there's blessing on the other side. That is just how he operates. So in verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night, toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. You know, again, this is like, who do you think you are? You preach for a living. I fish for a living. We know the, the ocean stuff, and we've been there. <laughs> you, you want us to get everything all out and dirty again? We've got it all cleaned up and squared away, and you're going to ask us? <laughs> we know. How many know it's not wise to think you know when the Lord has asked you to do something? Maybe he knows better than you. He always knows better than you. He says, we toiled all night. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So, I want you to see something that God is interested in you receiving a harvest. He's interested in you reaping a reward. The key is to do what he says. You know, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't, not don't use your understanding. We're, we're supposed to use your understanding, but don't lean on it more than you lean on the lord okay you lean on what he says use your understanding but lean on the lord and the key is by doing what he says and he said of a, a rhema word here do this and that'll always pay off in your giving all right okay well let's pray over our tithes tonight so take a hold of that father we're so grateful to you that you have a heart of love and goodness and kindness towards us. And we're just grateful that for all the resources that we have, for our jobs, for our income, for the things, the many ways you bless us so many times. And so we're gladly returning the tithe to you. And I just call these people blessed. I call these people into increase in every way. Father, just increase them in revelation, knowledge of your truth. Throughout this week and, and just continuing on. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. And the people will give to the Lord. You know, on that note uh, uh, that I had, I felt like the Lord was wanting me to share that about serving, about community and all that. Um, on that note, we do have an opportunity to uh, serve in the nursery So we've had a couple of people that needed to step down for various reasons. So if you are looking for a place and would like to serve Jesus in this way, because that's what we're doing when we serve one another, you can talk to Reba. Reba, raise your hand real high. And um, you can be on one of the teams, you know. Or if um, you're willing to be a substitute for somebody who maybe can't show up last minute, and you want to help um, care for the babies in the, the zero to two age, while the parents are in here, that would bless the body. It would know, bless Jesus. All right. And Karen, we have um, CityGate is going out tomorrow. And Karen has a testimony we'd like her to share. So. Thank you.
4: What we learned tonight was we were created For praise and worship and thanksgiving. Jesus has done so much for each and every one of us. But as a born-again believer, we're also created to be about the Father's business. And that is that his will is that none perish. So we have a local ministry that uh, really came in fruition about a year and a half ago. We interviewed several ministries and picked CityGate. CityGate, a lot of you have heard of in this area. Um, Brian and Kim Zimmerman head that up. And we have been uh, serving at the Lancaster one for a long time. And then we broke off that, well, I should say in addition to that, to Columbia. So now we do two the first Sunday of every month. The one in Lancaster serves 200 to 250 people with food. And the one in Columbia, uh, we're up at 40 now. And we do bag lunches. And it kind of changed after this whole COVID where we now go out. I can say, and everyone who has ever gone to the Columbia one, there's not been one time that there hasn't been a salvation. And that's for over a year now. Sometimes as many as five, and I mean real legitimate. Uh, Some tears, some I mean just legitimate salvations. We made um, we talked about it, and we don't give out a bag, a a lunch without bringing the gospel to them as well. And some have said, "Yes, I'm a Christian," and and uh, uh, that's great. You know, we just bless each other and encourage each other in the Lord. But there's not one time that's gone by that we haven't had a salvation. And we're small. The sign-up sheet's in the back. And we really encourage you, if you've not been on a city gate where you've come and helped, really, really encourage you to come. We're going to meet at 1115 tomorrow at the city gate in Columbia. You can uh, Google that, and it will bring you right there on the street. Uh, you're more than welcome to come. We really have a great time. But I'm going to give you a a quick testimony. Last month, um, everybody grabs some bags, two by two, and they go out. And we always find people to share the gospel and share a lunch with. But the Lord led me to go into the building, which uh, was open and some people were there. And there was two ladies sitting at a table. One that the Lord had me talk to was Janet. Janet, for 20 years, professed to be a Christian. She said, I'm a Christian. But for 20 years, she'd been in and out of affairs. And uh, the last one was a one of abuse, where she actually uh, took a a sharp item and stabbed the guy that she was living with. And in two weeks from that, she was going to face a judge whether or not she was going to go to jail. And I sat and listened to her whole story. You know, I was praying under, in the spirit under my, under my breath. And I said to her, the Lord said to me, ask her what makes her think that she's a Christian. So I did. And she looked at me. She said, once saved, always saved. My eyebrows went up. And I said to her, who told you that lie? And she looked at me, what? That's not a lie. I said, it is a lie. What makes you think you are a follower of Jesus where for the last 20 years you have told me you've been living for the devil? See, we're living in the days that you just can't pet this stuff anymore. You've got to be truthful with people. And I'm I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So she looked at me and her eyes started tearing up. And I said, you know, I'm going to be really honest with you. Uh, you can't say you're a Christian and live for the devil every day of your life. You've believed a lie and you've been living it. Would you like that to change today? She put her head down and she said, I would. I'm so tired of living this way. And right there at the table, she said the sinner's prayer, Confess Jesus. We kicked out seven devils, called them by name, and I had her do it after she got born again. I said, now you have the authority to kick out every devil. Let's name them and kick them out. And we did, one by one. And then she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lifted her hands, and Jesus baptized her in the Holy Spirit. It was a beautiful moment. And that's because we have a local ministry that we have an opportunity to go and share the gospel. So I really encourage anyone who hasn't gone to go. It's that simple. And I'll leave you with this. When we were walking out, we were packing up and leaving, she put her arm around me and said, I feel 20 pounds thinner. And I said, you are. So. Again, I encourage you. There is no greater high than to introduce somebody to Jesus and set them free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. God bless. Um, another,
0: uh, give you some more really good news, and then we're going to move on to the great news of the night. Um, the the really good news, if you look up at the screen. There's going to be a photo that you'll see of a little one. Um, uh, It's a little distorted. (laughs) Um, Her name is Victoria Grace. And she is, um, as of today, officially adopted into Pastor Kurt Owen and Terry's family. And so... They had been, uh, yeah, Here, here's a picture of both of them. And um, so today that's official and we're finally allowed to tell people. And um, they've been really excited about it for a while. And you know, this little one, uh, such a preci- precious gift. She, um, her mother, I think is 16, uh, uh, 15 or 16. And um, her father was trying to get her to abort it and she didn't want to. And um, long story short, her grandmother, I believe, attends Pastor Kurt's church. And so that was the connection. And they said, well, we'll take her. And um, so, hallelujah. So we get to rejoice with them. They've been believing God for a little one for many years. So that was the good news.